Welcome to Check the Pantry, coming to you from the KBBI studios in beautiful downtown Homer, Alaska. Each week, we pick a different ingredient and say anything we can think of to say about that ingredient. Today, we're talking about cabbage. My name is Jeff Lockwood. My guest for this show is Terry Robel, and it's time to Check the Pantry. Probably the green leaf that's kept more people alive through more hard winters than anything else in the world. But how many people really claim to love cabbage? Easy to grow in poor soil and frosty weather, it keeps well fresh and fermented keeps almost indefinitely. It makes the base of tangy summer slaws and braised makes a clean counterpoint to rich winter stews. It works in light and fiery Szechuan stir-fry and an impossibly rib-sticking French garbure. Roast it, steam it, grill it, stuff it with pork and simmer it. The members of the cabbage family are the most versatile leafy green there is. Cabbage in all its forms is part of the vast Brassicaceae family. Its history before Rome is somewhat murky. It used to be considered definitive that it was introduced to Britain by the Romans, although there is evidence that the Latin name Brassica derives from the Celtic Bresic, suggesting to some scholars that the exchange went the other way around. Kale, collards, broccoli, cauliflower, cabbage, Savoy cabbage, Brussels sprouts, and broccolini are all different varieties of the same species, Brassica oleracea, while bok choy, napa cabbage, and turnips belong to the closely related Brassica rapa. Oleracea is native to the northern Mediterranean and western Europe. The origin of rapa is not certain, but it's thought to be somewhere between the far eastern Mediterranean and western China. Napa cabbage in particular seems to have largely been confined to China until the 19th century, then spreading to the rest of Eastern Asia, where it is still an important vegetable, most famously as the chief ingredient of the most common variety of the Korean pickle kimchi. Given the central place of kimchi in Korean cuisine, it should come as no surprise to you that there is some disagreement over the timeline of Napa cabbage's spread, with some scholars arguing that the cabbage was unheard of in Korea until its introduction from China in the late 19th century, while others claim that cabbage's use in kimchi long predates any Chinese influence. It is beyond my expertise to judge any of these debates. I merely wish to acknowledge them to point out once again that food is never far from discussions of cultural identity and history. Sauerkraut and lactic fermentation of vegetables in general is believed to have been developed by the Chinese and used to feed the workers who built the Great Wall of China, gradually migrating westward into Europe. When the British Royal Navy was trying to solve the problem of scurvy, they sent Captain James Cook out with sauerkraut as part of his arsenal. He reported excellent results, but the convenience of lime juice kept British sailors from being called krauts. Now, sauerkraut is really quite simple to make. 2.5% salt by weight of everything in the jar, cabbage and brine. Salt the cabbage first and let it sit overnight to draw out the maximum amount of water. Fresh cabbage from your garden will be wetter than older, drier, shipped from the lower 48 grocery store cabbage. And then top off the jar with a 2.5% salt brine. Wait the cabbage to keep it under the brine to stave off mold and forget about it for at least a couple of weeks. The lactic acid producing bacteria will actually work without the salt. The point of the salt is to suppress less friendly and more dangerous bacteria. Caraway is a classic flavoring, but juniper berries are even better. And lots of them. Now personally, I'm not a big fan of hot packing sauerkraut after it's fermented because I think it loses some of the bright, fresh crunch that makes it so nice in January when bright, fresh crunch is desperately scarce. But I'm not going to tell you not to do it either. As long as you keep it submerged and check it now and then for mold, it'll keep well in a cool spot for pretty much forever in a container in the back of the refrigerator. That's right. We are talking about 
Cabbage in all its forms today. My name is Jeff Lockwood. I am here with Terry Robel. Good morning, Terry. Good morning. And it's time for this week's edition of Check the Pantry, all about cabbage. Do you make a lot of sauerkraut? No, I buy it. I like it when people give it to me. I know. I've I've made it before, too, and I do like making it. Um, We actually have, my wife collects um, various kitchen implements, which is pretty awesome because now I have several giant fermentation crocs that you can use you know they're like the ideal um sauerkraut vessel yep because they're large and they don't they don't keep moisture and so yeah sometimes we (laughs) we have this problem with our garden uh are you familiar with moose no explain (laughs) they're a very large (laughs) parasite Ah. and they live off people's gardens oh like a slug kind of like a slug much larger and uh, so they they really <laughs> they really keep my sauerkraut production down. Yeah. But when I do it, that's how I like to do it. It's so easy, you know, two and a half percent salt. And this is another reason why it's important to have scales. Well, I wanted to make sauerkraut this year. We had a we had beautiful heads of cabbage in the garden. I even got a recipe from my girlfriend. And I was all ready to rock and roll, and I said, "Okay, I'm going to go out there and pluck that head of cabbage." And guess who got to it before I did the night before? A giant slug. A giant slug. Took a big old <laughs> chomp out of it. So much for the sauerkraut making this year. We'll try again next year. Well, I, I love cabbage, but my family isn't real fond of it. So I try to sneak it into things. Well, you know, it's funny because like I said that at the beginning of the, the intro, like mm-hmm. people, people are weird about cabbage. And mm-hmm. even people that like it tend not to be overly enthusiastic about it. And I used to kind of be in that camp where I was like, eh, cabbage yeah. is boring, you know? Like it you, is. You kind of look at it, you're like, well, okay, A, it's cheap. It's kind of ubiquitous. Nobody ever put, nobody ever makes like big splashy magazine articles about cabbage. <laughs> it's not a sexy vegetable, you know? You the, know? It, it really isn't. It, or, well, I would argue that it is, Ooh. but we misperceive it <laughs> because... Now that I've started keeping it around, I pretty much always have a head of cabbage in my fridge. And it's like... Me too. It really is like the greatest, simplest thing for pretty much anything that you're making. Anything that I'm going to make for dinner, I can do something with cabbage. Absolutely. That night. And it'll probably won't even take that long. If I want to take a little extra time, I can. And we're actually going to get to some fairly time-consuming recipes coming up in a little bit. But, you know, I want to talk about... The simplest thing that I do with my heads of cabbage, which is I cut them into little thin strips and I just saute them. Little butter, olive oil, garlic. That is delicious. Yeah. You know what else is good? It's a little difficult sometimes getting into uh, Asian cooking as a Westerner because you don't really know, like, there's a lot of ingredients that you're just like, whoa, I never, you know, I've never considered what to do with that before. There's a Szechuan dish of cabbage. You know, if you go down the Asian aisle... They'll have little bags of dried shrimp, right? They're little right, tiny, right, right. little tiny shrimp. They're like the size of a dime. Yeah, not even. And what you do with them is you pour a little water over them, and let them let them sit for a little bit, and they kind of rehydrate. They come back to life? No, they don't. They're not sea monkeys. Oh, <laughs> They're not sea monkeys. You know those They're things just... in the yeah. Okay, sorry. <laughs> and, and and so you take them after they after they rehydrate just a little bit. So they're still like crunchy on the outside and, and, and they're still, I mean, cause they're dry. They're still pretty crunchy on the inside too. And you, you just, all you do with them is you throw them into a hot pan with a little, uh, Szechuan peppercorn, and then you slice a bunch of cabbage, super fine cabbage, by the way, is the single best reason to get a mandolin. Oh, I love my mandolin. I do too. And I, I used to cut cabbage normally and then I got a mandolin and now I'm just, I mean, and I it, haven't cut myself on it. Knock on wood. Well, that's because you got to be careful. I know. People people cut themselves on mandolins when they're when they're trying to do too much, too much, too fast. Oh, that's that's my problem. Zoom, zoom, zoom. But anyway, you take your you take your uh, your your thinly sliced cabbage and you throw your your dried shrimp in the pan and you throw a few Szechuan peppercorns if you got them, which you should have them because they make your lips tingle, and it's like the greatest feeling ever. It's Not like, going there. It's like eating. It's like eating batteries, kind of, except they're delicious. <laughs> it does. They do make your lips tingle. And uh, and and it's like it takes like literally from start to finish. It takes about five minutes to make this dish, and it goes with anything. 
you know, you can you you can drizzle it with a little sesame oil right at the end, Ooh. and it's like the tastiest, simplest side dish to just about anything you would want to eat. It sounds very nice. I think I should try that. You should. I will. I mean, it's 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 as good as 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 doing it with butter. Oh, butter. I'm sorry. I'm from the Midwest. Everything has to have a little bit of butter in it. Butter has so much flavor, but we're talking about cabbage, so. Yeah, but. We're, butter and cabbage go well together. They do go. They are magic together. They are. They're like, I mean, butter butter's kind of magic with everything, but. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, sauerkraut. There's a really classic Alsatian dish, which we'll come back to in a little bit, too, just before we get to the, the drinking section, because Skip, ah. Skip in his, in it thought was thinking about it specifically. It's called choucroute garni, and it's, it's Alsatian. So it's from like, it's basically like half French, half German. Ah. And all you do is you take sauerkraut and you pretty much pour a whole bottle of Riesling on top of it. Ooh. And then you get all of the... Porky, delicious things, duck, goose, comfy legs, sausages, ham, salt pork, whatever, you know, even fresh pork, doesn't even matter. You put it all in a big pot together and let it sit for, you know, three, four hours. And it and you get this this dish that's like both insanely rich from all the pork fat and all the goose fat and all the duck fat. And the bacon and whatever else you put in. I mean, you can literally put any kind of pork into it. But it's also because sauerkraut has so much acid and it's so clean. Oh, it cuts right. through everything. And so it's it's hugely filling, but it's also super light at the same time, mm. which is a magical combination if you can get it, if you can manage to pull it off. Sounds excellent. Magical combination like bratwurst and sauerkraut? Or like hot dogs and sauerkraut? Oh, yeah, but you got to have a good dog, okay? Well, I mean, you got to have a good sauerkraut. Uh, see, I you never thought have I... got to have good pork. I never thought I liked sauerkraut until I had some that was freshly made, because I don't really like the stuff that comes out of cans. No. Or the or, or even the jarred stuff. It, it's always, it always feels to me like it's kind of soft and mushy, and, and it's mostly sour, and there's not like... But it works in a pinch. It does work in a pinch, but also, I guess I'm not German, so I just... Yeah, I'm I just German. don't have. I I know. Really German, yeah. <laughs> hey, like I like the antique crocs, you know. Well, and you you know the other way to make it is uh, as a whole head. If you have small heads of uh, if you have small heads of cabbage, you wouldn't want to do it with a big head. That's what but, the moose left. <laughs> <laughs> but you could actually you could take a whole head. People do this. They take the whole head and they salt it at two and a half percent. And instead of, you know, instead of shredding it finely and fermenting it that way, they'll do the whole head. So then your sauerkraut at the end comes out and it's like a whole head's worth of sauerkraut. Does it take longer? Yeah, I think so. Oh. I think it takes quite a bit longer because it takes a while for the salt to penetrate. And that's why you don't want to do it with a huge head of cabbage either. But what you, what you can do with that is that then you get, you can use full leaves of sauerkraut. So you could even make oh. cabbage rolls Yum. with sauerkraut as opposed to having to use regular cabbage and coincidentally you and i were up at station 12 just a few days ago and we were making some cabbage rolls we they're did. a simple versatile and tasty dish that can move up and down the culinary scale from a basic weeknight dish to a plated starter worthy of a dinner party and we went in the kitchen at station 12 to roll up a batch of red cabbage stuffed with chicken livers and apples Tell me what we... So what we, we're, we're, we're making cabbage rolls today. We're making cabbage rolls. I have this lovely head of uh, red cabbage. And that looks beautiful. And you know, it, it's it's almost like purple cabbage, okay? Yeah, There's it is no purple. red in there whatsoever. Well, and here's the, here's what happened. So so I, I blanched the whole head of cabbage. I cut the core out of the cabbage. Because for this recipe, what you're trying to do is get nice soft leaves, you know? And so they mm -hmm. have to be blanched. Just, just cooked long enough to be a little salt. And now, this is kind of a Homer thing. Our water, typically, most people's water around here is kind of hard. Yes. When your water's hard, that's bad for purple pigments. Like, it can turn oh. them gray because, right. because hard water tends to be slightly alkaline. Okay. So when I threw this, this whole head of cabbage into my pot of boiling water to blanch it, the water started to turn gray, and I was like, oh, the cabbage is going to turn gray, too. It's going to be unappetizing. 
So what you do is you squirt some vinegar in there. Ah, acid. And it flips it right back. The same thing happens if you ever caramelize red onions. Uh-huh. And they turn gray. Oh! Yeah, if you take some vinegar so and vinegar. squirt a little vinegar in there, then they turn back red. I love hints like that. And that's why, and, but it's the opposite with green. Green doesn't like acidic water. Green likes alkaline water. So would that be like, what, baking so, soda? Yeah, so if you add a little baking soda to, it, it's very, very little though, because too much baking soda can make vegetables mushy. Okay, so well, anyway. you have a beautiful leaf of uh, purple cabbage. Yes, I do, and I'm going to stuff it. Here's the thing about cabbage rolls, like you can stuff them with pretty much anything. Rice, you can stuff them with sausage, you can stuff them with beef, you can stuff them with mushrooms. Mm. Okay, so you have your, your so uh, filling here. I've got, my, I've got my, my shell. So basically what we're doing is making little sausage, little cabbage sausages. Like little um, egg rolls, kind of? No? Yeah, basically. Cabbage sausages, I yeah, like that. Well, there's a, you know, there's a whole, the greatest culinary genre in the world really is stuffing stuff inside of other stuff. <laughs> and that's what we're gonna be doing here. So today we are doing, we are gonna use Maybe a little unorthodox, a little unfamiliar. This is a bread and chicken liver and apple and herb Ooh. stuffing. What kind of herbs do we have in there? Uh, we have some very exciting herbs. We have Ooh. parsley and green onion. That'll do it. Because that's what I had. So what I did with this is I pureed the chicken livers with a little bit of stock and a mm -hmm. little salt. And then I cubed up the bread. Tell me about the bread. Uh, was was just, it like a stale bread? Was yeah, it a dry bread? Yeah, it was, it was stale. It was bread I made a couple days ago. Okay. And it was, uh, yeah, so I cut all the crust off and okay. I cut it up into little cubes. And then so I mixed the bread with a little egg. Okay. And the eggs you can also do without because they, they help bind the stuffing a little more. Like, do you use eggs in your, uh, like in your Thanksgiving stuffing? Absolutely. You know, every, almost every ingredient and every step that you take, you can change it depending on what you want your final product to be. You know, if you want your final product to be a little looser and a little less like unified, then leave out the egg. I've got my, uh, my cabbage leaf laying here. So I blanched my head of cabbage for, it took me about five minutes. And then I peeled off most, most of the outer leaves. So I, I wound up getting, I think nine uh, mm -hmm. full good sized leaves of cabbage to, uh, to make my rolls. And so what I'm doing now is I've got the, the thick stem end on my left, and I've got what would be the top of the cabbage on my right, and I'm just taking a nice, generous spoonful mm -hmm. of my stuffing and plopping it down right in the middle. Okay, looks like we got about a, oh, I don't know, quarter cup there, maybe a little more. It's so, I have a big, thing of kitchen twine here. Kitchen twine is a very handy thing to have around. It's very handy. It's one of those things that you never, until you, until you need it, you don't really think about it. And right. then when you want it, you're like, man, where's my twine? And cinnamon dental floss doesn't quite do it. <laughs> that sounds horrifying. <laughs> or mint. <laughs> no. So what I've done is, so remember I've got my stem side, my thick side on my left, and I've got the top of the, what would be the top of the cabbage leaf on the right. Okay. So I'm folding the stem side in, and then mm -hmm. I'm folding the top side in. All right. And then I'm folding the bottom the, up. The sides toward me. Okay. And I've got my, my twine is laying perpendicular to myself. So you have a perfectly square little package right here. I have a little square roll. All right. And I'm tying it just like a Christmas present. Okay. Flipping it, uh -huh. and then I'm gonna tie a square knot on the top of it. Okay. Over, under, under, over. All right. No granny knots. No this bows. Is a, this is a fishing town, so we have to no, use proper knots. I put knots. a bow on it. I, I put a bow on the first couple, All but right. they're just easier right. to tie. Well, no. Square knots are easier to tie. Okay. And I have this pretty little... Uh, package. This neat little package with a nice, beautiful, stuffing inside. Looks like very fun food. And we are going to post a beautifully shot video that Terry took of uh, me tying that that little cabbage roll up. Why, thank you. It was fun. So you made that recipe up. I asked you if you had a tried and true go-to stuffed cabbage recipe and you went not really yeah and we talked a little bit about this because you and i i think we're both in agreement that there, there's an old there's an old rule that people will tell you 
about having people over for dinner where they'll say, don't ever cook a dish for company that you've never made before. And you and I both were like, nah. Nah. We do it. You do it. How, so what's your what's your process? Like if you were going to if you were going to come up with something on the fly. Um you know, I usually just kind of look around and see what I have in the house. What what's, you know, going to go south if I don't use it up? Um what meats thought out that I can use? Um what am I craving? You know, Mark's really good about I'll ask him what's for dinner and he'll go, "I don't know." So it's cook's choice pretty much every night. Yeah, well, that's how the apples wound up in this this cabbage yeah. roll. I knew that I was going to do, I knew I was going to do chicken livers and bread stuffing, uh-huh. and I knew that was going to happen. And it was actually it's something I've done before with uh, onions. There's a Ooh. there's a French chef named Michel Bras. He's pretty famous. He's he's pretty well known among uh, people who care about that sort of thing. And he does a stuffed onion with a very similar um, stuffing. In fact, I'm, I ripped off wholeheartedly uh from his original recipe he'd be honored but then i was but then i was walking by my bowl of fruit that i keep on the table and there was an apple Mm -hmm. and i just and literally while i was making the the dish i went oh hey an apple that would go good in this stuffing so i grabbed it and i threw it in and it totally worked but guess what sometimes it doesn't work i know and i you know that's that's the thing you got to kind of just have a a basic knowledge of what kind of goes together and what doesn't, you know, and that, I think that's why you get brave and go, okay, I'm going to try to make this and put that in it. And, uh, but I thought the chicken liver, um, was very original and the herbs that I went totally in there. I totally stole it from somebody else. Oh, I hate to burst all your bubbles. It. All right. Well, then I got all inspired and, and went home that night. And of course, I always have a head of cabbage in my fridge, too. It started when um, I used to, I love to make egg rolls for the family, and I put cabbage in my egg rolls. And right. then I'd have all this cabbage leftover. I'm like, well, what in the world am I going to do with that leftover? Cabbage? You're going to make an egg roll out of the cabbage. You know what? You could do that. And for everybody that's doing the low-carb keto stuff, when I stuffed those cabbage rolls the other night, I thought, wow, wouldn't that be a fabulous make egg roll stuffing? Make sure you have a little crunch in it or something so maybe people aren't missing the the fried um, egg roll wrapper. Right. And yeah, I mean, you I honestly, you wouldn't even great. have to, you wouldn't even uh-huh. have to necessarily cook them because what, no. what we do, and, and we'll, we'll talk about this in the next segment is the actual cooking process. But I mean, you could, you could just as easily have a, have a, have a cold interior and serve the whole thing cold and just have a crispy, crunchy, cabbagey shell. Sort of like a spring roll kind of situation. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, it's endless. Just get original and think of the spices that go well together. Yeah, and, they're, and it's so easy. Like once you've done it a couple times, uh-huh. um, you know, I mean, it literally the thing that took, that took the longest actual work was heating up the pot of water right. and blanching the cabbage. And, and when I did mine, I didn't make those beautiful little packages that you did because it was just um, you the yeah, family. Yeah, and you I just stuck to. a toothpick in them. Yeah, toothpicks but totally I, I did, work. Yeah, Remember to take them out, though. Yeah, I know. I had to warn them. I was like, ooh, there's a toothpick in here, you guys. <laughs> I will no, say, it worked really well. I will say, though, that if you are going to make up a dinner or make up a dish like that for company, it's a really good idea to uh, know the number of where to order a pizza from or right. Chinese food. Although mm-hmm. you said when I when I mentioned that uh, when we were cooking together, you said you never had to do that. Well, I have. So I have failed spectacularly. And you know what? I'm still here. That's okay. And I, people still come to my house for I dinner. I haven't killed anybody yet either. So <laughs> I know. What's the worst that can happen? You got to throw it away? Yeah, I know. Even then, I mean, honestly, like most things, even when they're inedible, you can still eat them. I wanted to tell you about the flaming goose pieces, but you said to save that for the holidays. I want to hear. I want to hear. But we about did the put goose. it back together and ate it. So there you go. No pizza there. <laughs> no, we probably ate cabbage. <laughs> goose and cabbage, by the way, is a really famous right. well, German it, thing. It, I mean, that's classic. I mean, goose is classic. Goose, that's a better goose word. confit is one of the key ingredients of a lot of the granis, like we were talking mm-hmm. about earlier, mm-hmm. and goose fat. Aside from being wonderful to cook potatoes in, it's also wonderful to cook cabbage in. Goose fat, duck fat, whatever oh my gosh. kind of fat. Duck fat. I, I went through a five-pound container of duck fat a few years back, and I thought, I can't, I can't ever buy this again. It, it was just winning everything. It's, it's pretty amazing. It's amazing for, I mean, like I say, for potatoes. It's potatoes. It's unreal. But honestly, like cabbage, if you saute your 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 cabbage like for a stir fry or something, if you use duck fat or goose fat or lard 
or anything like that. I mean, the, you know, the, and it's not just we Westerners that say that. The Chinese love their duck fat, too. Oh, and yeah. like the really top notch best Chinese stir fries. That's what they use. I know. You could just saute vegetables with a little duck fat or whatever and roll it up in that cabbage leaf. Maybe, maybe make a little dipping sauce with soy sauce and sesame. And I've put a uh, hot chili. I've put hollandaise on cabbage rolls before, too. <gasps> Stop. Yeah. Oh. Hollandaise and cabbage goes together surprisingly well. Oh, I have to try that. Because it's kind of tangy, you know? Oh, I love hollandaise. I know. We'll, 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 we're definitely going to talk about hollandaise one of these days. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. Well, I, I'm kind of like thinking I have to run to the market after the show here <laughs> and buy cabbage because I used my cabbage up in my, my stuffed cabbage rolls. Well, you need some more. No, I need some more. And, you know, the great thing about you can stuff them with anything. And we're going to get to that now. We'll you talk can. a little bit about some of the alternatives that you could... Uh, stuff these guys with and a little more about how we cook the dish and finish it their cabbage rolls are tied up and neatly tucked into their baking dish they were beautiful so and let's head back to station 12 to pop them in the oven and then we'll plate them up So then what I did is I put them into my nine by nine pan. And there's one of the things with, with a recipe like this is this is something that if you got a really nice um, little earthenware thing, you could totally put them in that and serve them and that. serve them in that. That would look really nice. Or you can do what we're going to do today and we're going to we're going to plate them separately. OK, so I can just use my regular old boring Pyrex, which you can use on a week, you know, on a regular <laughs> on a regular meal is fine. but. You know, if you're if it's Thanksgiving or but something. But if I'm at your house and you're serving these, I I would appreciate the extra. Well, there you, you go. For me. So what I did is I just piled them in there and I added a little bit of uh, white wine and a little mm -hmm. bit of chicken stock. Well, they look amazing. They smell absolutely wonderful. And I covered them with foil and mm -hmm. I put them in a 375 degree oven and I cooked those. I cooked them for like an hour and a half. Ooh, like that. That's a long time. Right. But you want, you want the cabbage to get nice and soft, but the, and then it's covered too. Mm -hmm. So then the next thing I did is I pulled off the cover and I took a little creme fraiche that I had made. Definitely. The reason that you would use creme fraiche for what I'm using it for as opposed to sour cream, the problem with cooking with sour cream is when you cook it, it has a tendency to break. Right. Because it doesn't have a high fat content. Got it. So. Creme fraiche is like you can reduce creme fraiche, which you can't do with sour cream. Right. You can cook it for a long time. You can do like right now. What what happens next is I is I put a little creme fraiche on top of these guys, and I put and then I raise the temperature of the oven just a little bit, and I uncover the pan, and then the creme fraiche will brown like the milk mm. solids in the creme fraiche brown a little bit. So in the creme fraiche that you had, you had yogurt and. Heavy whipping cream. Heavy whipping cream. Yeah. Correct. Just a couple spoonfuls of the yogurt. And like I say, I don't, yogurt's less than ideal for me, but if you, right. that's what I had. And, and you let it sit overnight. Yeah. Well, actually I let it, I usually find, I pretty much always find that my creme fresh takes at least a couple days. Okay. And you just leave it set in a quiet little corner. You sit it, you sit it in a... With a little top on it. That's what I do. And, yep. and lo and behold. So now, because we're making a fancy plated dish instead of a... Instead of a, uh, a little drizzle of the creme fraiche. I just dropped a little drizzle of the creme fraiche. Lovely. How artistic. And we're going to get a little of the sauce, which is this kind of interesting purple. Purple Because it's brown. red cabbage. Yeah. We're going to throw that on there. Okay. And a little, little garnish. Now I have a little bit of parsley. All right. And a little bit of... Green onion. Green onion. And now I've got a little bit of quick pickled cabbage. Ooh, that's pretty. Now that's almost a magenta color. Yeah, and this, all Ooh. this is, is it, it's the easiest thing in the world. All it's, right. it's just rice vinegar, a little sugar, uh -huh. and a little salt, and you boil it, and you finely slice some cabbage. All right. You salt your cabbage a little. Do you let the um, liquid cool before you? I add do not. Cabbage? I do not. Okay. I pour boiling. I pour the boiling vinegar over. Okay. The uh, over the cabbage. It looks. It looks beautiful. 
Now, one thing you could do is you could very easily make this, uh, you could chop up some of the cabbage mm -hmm. that you've used, uh, you know, some of the interior parts of the head, mm -hmm. and you could put that in the stuffing as well. You know, you, you could. could, you could, you, you could stuff, you could add some nuts. Ooh, nice little crunch you know, there. I almost, I was very close to putting some pecans in here. Ooh. I didn't have any, I would have had to specially buy them. And so I didn't, but you could, you could easily put, uh, Oh, that would be nice. You touch. know, you could put nice you could put literally anything that you want to. And this particular stuffing, I was going for this slightly denser texture, but you can see it's not hard. It's still mm -hmm. very very loose, and it comes apart easily. But you could you could make it denser. You could make it looser. And what would make it denser? More breadcrumbs. More, uh, um, more. Well, you could puree the apples. You okay. could puree the bread finer. Um, you could add more cream. You could add more eggs. Okay. All that would tighten it up. Well, it looks like it has the perfect consistency. Well, and you better take a bite. Okay, I'm gonna take a bite. Wow, very savory. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely can taste a little bit of the sweet of the red cabbage. Mm -hmm. um, did wow. you get Did you get in with the the quick pickled on it? Because I feel like that really. That really um, takes, X, it. takes it to another level. Oh, it does. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Totally changes a bite. Mm -hmm. When you put the quick pickle on it, because the acid in the vinegar totally cuts through a lot of the richness. And, and it's excellent. Wow. Well, yeah. these would be a lovely little fall tidbit. A lovely little fall tidbit. And that's what we're all about, you know, because cabbage is like, we try to be at least somewhat seasonal here on this show. It's, it's kind of difficult because it's Alaska, and so fall is technically basically kind of supposed to be over by now. I know, it's starting to get over, but I, I love fall cooking. It's, you know, it's, it's a definite transition from summer. You know, we've got the vegetables that are ready to be enjoyed that we've grown or bought from the market. And um, yeah. Cabbage is definitely one of those. Well, and we finally get to start eating like, you know, fatty, <laughs> big tasting meats, you know, and, yeah, and big that. tasting vegetables like cabbage. We, we've talked about stir frying it and we've talked quite a bit about uh, stuffing it, which are lovely. But you know what else you can do with it is you can just quarter the whole thing and throw it in a roasting pan and throw it in the oven with a little white wine in the pan with it, cover mm -hmm. it up, and just braise it for a while. And you get this nice big chunk of beautifully caramelized on the outside Ooh. and sweetened on the inside. Almost like almost like roasting Brussels sprouts, because Brussels sprouts are just tiny cabbages. They are. They're baby cabbages. And a lot of people claim to not like them, but Terry, I, I like them I a lot. I love them. You know, our mom, well, maybe not your mom, but when we were kids growing up, they, they just cooked the heck out of everything like that. So they weren't any good back in those days to us. Little did I know. Or to anybody. An amazing little morsel of goodness they are. Well, yeah, they're, they're like the paradigmatic, eat your vegetables vegetable, oh, yeah. because... When did people figure out that what you should do with them? Is, I don't know, but I'm glad they did. Throw them in a little butter and throw it in a pan. <laughs> I know. And throw it in the oven until they get crispy. I've, I saw a recipe, in, or I shouldn't say it was even a recipe. It was just a way to cook cabbage where you'd stake it and brush it with olive oil and salt and pepper and grill it. Ooh. That looked fun. And, um, of course, I love my egg rolls with them and my little Asian dumplings, my little potstickers. And how about the humble fish taco? Where would that be oh, without yeah. the crunch Man, of cabbage? I, you know what? I don't. Not even just on fish tacos, but a lot of times in the morning, I like them on breakfast tacos. Oh, that I just would be make, great. That's like my standard. A, a ton of onions and a ton of cabbage on a on a taco with some egg is like the greatest thing in that, the morning. That's a great idea. And you know, cabbage is a milder flavor when it's raw. So um, I, I like savory rather than sweet anyway. So that would be fabulous. And how about throwing some cabbage in with your green salads? You know, just let's put all kinds of goodies in there. That is, that is, it's weird because it's funny. I tend to make my salads either with lettuce or I make like a slaw. And we'll get to slaw later. Oh, yeah. We've got, oh man, we got so we much got to talk about with lots slaw. Lots of slaws. We're not even going to get to the slaw yet. No, we're not. But going I almost out. never mix them, which is kind of weird. And, and the fact that you just mentioned that made me wonder like why... 
Why, why not? Why don't I put cabbage in? I don't know. With a green salad. It's pretty. I mean, if you get the purple and the green, if you use it as the crunch, and um, what's wrong with me? I really should be doing that. You just. It took me a while to figure. You, I feel just, like I've been failing at salads now. No, you haven't. No, no. It's okay. We'll, we'll sure? talk later. We'll have a counseling session, okay? I love salads. I make salads all the time. Tonight, salads. You know what goes with salad is soup. What? Soup. soup. Oh, I love soup. Well, we were talking about that weird, stupid cabbage soup diet where that's all you eat. Well, that's yeah. bad. But cabbage soup well, on its own is good. It is. And minestrone. And you can put cabbage in that. And oh, my gosh. Well, there's a, there's a classic French soup. Um, called Garbure. It's from the other side of the country. It's from Southwest France. Are as you opposed French? To, no, well, I, I'm not. I'm actually, I okay. am, I have looked desperately for signs <laughs> of anything other than English ancestry, and I have not managed to find them. But I am from Louisiana, so there you like, go. my culinary heritage is You're redeemed. French. So even though we're all totally English, and as far as I can tell, nobody's Catholic either, which is really unusual in, in South Louisiana. Ooh, how wonderful. But there's the, the garbure, which is the southwestern French cabbage dish. And it's a, it's a soup. But it's one of those soups where they say, like, it's not actually done right unless you can take a, unless you can take a huge pot of it and take a big long-handled wooden spoon and put it in the bottom of the, spoon, of the, the soup and it stands straight up. Like a stew. Yeah. What's and it's in it? Like... Almost all cabbage. Almost all cabbage. And also, I mean, smoked meat. Garbure and, is and, called? Uh, Garbure, yes. G-A-R-B-U-R-E. Typically, they'll they'll fill it with it, all the same stuff you would put in a chacrute garni. So sausages. Uh, down yeah. there is a lot of duck. That's like the land of duck. Ugh. And they actually, they say that's why, supposedly that's the most, the longest lived region in France. And they attribute it to the fact that they, they eat enormous quantities of duck fat and drink enormous quantities of red wine. Oh, well, that's kind of like my house. I mean, <laughs> I don't know that science has officially confirmed that, so I'm not going to say I'm not going to say medically that that should be what you do, but I'm just passing on what they say. I know. And I when know. are they ever wrong? Who who are they, by the way? And also a lot of times people will add white beans to it. Oh, yes, excellent. Beans are so versatile. Cabbage is versatile. I mean, <laughs> Man, I'm I'm actually getting getting kind of hungry. I'm now. hungry. You know, I get I want to go home and try my my egg rolls. Um, do you do you do you fry or do you bake your egg rolls? I fry them. Good. Do you oh, fry them in duck fat because you should? No. <laughs> Cabbage, tomatoes, beans, sausage. What else? How about appetizers? Like, let's. Oh, you know what? what? I wanted to bring this up. When I was a little girl growing up. A lot of people made, the German moms made Krautkuchen. And okay. so it was a like a roll dough. And then they made a filling of like burger, onion, cabbage, carrots, salt, pepper. Um, and they cooked it. And then they rolled out the little patties of dough. And they put a little filling of the burger mixture in there. And then they baked them. And they, they were like little pasties or little pockets of this wonderful goodness that you couldn't get enough of when you're a kid. That sounds I mean, pretty amazing. And and I think if you you wanted to cheat these days, you could probably even look for a pop can product. But I mean, not everybody has a lot of time to make roll dough. Yeah, I mean, you know, and it's there's no shame in, in there's no using, shame. Just um, homemade is wonderful. Pie dough. There it's just can... with store bought stuff, you can get exactly what you want. You know, yeah, yeah. It, gives, it... it gives you the flexibility to get you know exactly the kind of dough. That you would like. Uh, I, so, I love those. Have you ever had those? I have not, no. Ooh, we have to make some together. It does sound it does sound pretty. I mean, really, anything inside of dough is is going to be a hit. Yeah, like anything With fried. me, anyway. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I asked Skip Clary to find something to drink with all this cabbage, and he brought the Weinstefaner Dunkel Hefeweizen to Station 12 to taste with John Cottingham. Now, while Skip obviously knows what he chose... John doesn't know anything about it at first, other than what he sees before him in the glass. Okay. Well. What do you think? Let's have a look. Obviously, it's a beer. 
Yes, it is. Like a dark, rich brown colour. Mm-hmm. Uh, nice, generous head. Frothy head on yours, at least. And mine's anyway. fairly cloudy. Which it is, isn't it? Are you, yeah. Is towards the bottom this is the... an unfiltered beer. I suspect you got the first pour out of it. And then when you pour and then turn the bottle back up, it turns up the sediment. Wow. I, I got the I got the, the lion's share here because this is... I, I like the sludge. Do you like the sludge? I do. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I do. So what do you think? Nice. Well, I'm going to give it a quick sniff. Let's twist around. Oh, look at that. Look at the way the head's sticking to the glass. Yeah, it, oh, it really that. does. Yeah. yeah, it's nice. Mmm. What do I smell? Uh, the bottle itself has got a very rich, a rich uh, taste to it. Mm. Uh, oh, well, gonna... Ooh, hello. Mm. Oh, that talks to you. Yes. Oh, very happy with this. This is a nice conversation. Yes. <laughs> mm. There's certainly a roasted note to it mm -hmm. from the darker malt that they use. Yeah, um, I was going to say, it's definitely got a malty. Mm -hmm. It's got a strong malt. And there's a slightly savory kind of um, cured meat aroma to it. Fairly faint, but there's a savory element to it. And this oh. is uh, meant to be paired with um, cabbage and Specifically, when I picked this beer, I, I, I had in mind for it the Alsatian um, Choucrou Garni, which is basically dressed sauerkraut. So it's a sauerkraut with all kinds of different pork, uh, sometimes mm. smoked pork, but mm. definitely you know sausages, ham, you oh, name I it. And the combination yeah. with this particular beer is—it's mm. just a classic. Um, is I'm definitely good? getting that that. Roasted it, it, aroma on this. This beer is uh, not from that region, is it? Nope. No. Is it nope. like a. It's nearby, but not quite there. Is it British? Nope. No. German? Yes. There you go. Yeah. I thought it was something like that. They like their beers, don't they? They do. Germany. They really do. And they, and they like their beer that goes with food. Beer for um, breakfast as well. Like you can go into a cafe and you'll see somebody with a. Another good reason to go to Germany. Something. No, I mean, if, uh, you go to the train station in Stuttgart or something like that and there's people getting ready to go to work sitting there in the cafes with a coffee on one side and a glass of beer on yeah, the other yeah. and you know maybe some cheese and bread and they're good to go. Oh, that sounds like a good way to start the day for me. Yeah so there's yeah. there's definitely some slightly fruitier character to this mm -hmm. and definitely a smoky meaty character roasted kind of like dare I say burnt slightly burnt caramel. Mm -hmm. um, yeah yeah, I can definitely taste that now. Yeah, the mouthfeel on this mm -hmm. is pretty substantial for a beer that's not that strong. And that actually, I can tell you, comes from, from uh, wheat. So this is this is a Weiss beer. Um, it's actually a, a Hefeweizen, but it's a what's referred to as a Dunkel. So it's a, it's a darker Hef. The reason that I wouldn't have picked a normal Hef is that there tends to be notes of um, coriander and citrus that I didn't think mm. would be quite right for the food that I had in mind for it. And also this, uh, the darker malt on this seems to carry a little higher acidity, which makes it really food friendly with, with like sausages and I ham. I was going to say, you, yeah, you want the acidity to a really of, nice bratwurst. Yep. And it, a good and bit the, of bread. Yeah. And the, and um, the acid kind of cuts right through the fat, but also leaves your palate clean. So you're ready for the next bite. It doesn't, it doesn't kind of stick to your palate, but you, once you know that it's a wheat beer, you can, you can start smelling wheat malt in there. It, it's, it's not your usual lager right. at all. Oh, no. um, also, um, hops tend not to figure as strongly in this beer as they would in, in other styles of wheat beer. They let that roasted malt and the acidity do the talking. I was going to say that definitely the malt yeah. comes through. Yeah, it really does. Sometimes uh, I find a beer too hoppy. Yeah. And it gets in the way of things. And it, and it can really be uh, just a palate wrecker. I mean, you have some of these Imperial IPAs that are clocking in at like 8 or 9% and IBUs of, of like 100. What are you going to eat with that? Mm. And you should eat something with a beer that strong. <laughs> right. So I just, I, for me, I, I would rather they kind of toned it down a little bit. Yeah. I guess they've all got their, their, they've all got their place, but. Well, what proof would you say this one is? Oh, this is probably in the realm of five or so. Oh yeah, 5.3. Yeah, there we go. Here. Yeah, it's, it's Wine not. Wein Stefaner. Yeah, Wein Stefaner. They're, um, they're very good. Uh, they've been around a, rather a long time. Mm. That's a nice beer. Yeah, and that with with that sauerkraut would work. I think you could probably have this with sauerkraut without 
any sausages, although why would you want to? Um, <laughs> but I think it would I think it would hold its own fine. I think that that slightly sweet verging on cloying character that you get off that wheat malt actually would work with the sweetness of cabbage quite well. Mm. Um, and I think if you were to load it with lots of black pepper, this would stand up to it just fine. And maybe some rye bread. Yeah. It'd be great, I think. I think it'd be superb. This would probably be a good one for like St. Patrick's Day. If mm-hmm. you corned beef and cabbage. Absolutely. Yeah. I think the corned beef would, would work with this just fine. It's almost like it's got a lightness to it. Mm-hmm. You know, like as opposed to like a porter or a stout or exactly. something like that. Yeah. Where it kind of coats you. This is, mm-hmm. I imagine this to be a lot better for eating. Yeah. You can see how it pairs. That's that acidity. It just, it just clears the decks. That's one of the reasons that, that say sparkling wine is so good to have with a wide range of food because it's really, really high in acid and it clears your palate and leaves your mouth clean, fresh, ready for the next bite of food. And I think this beer actually does the very same thing. That acidity just yeah. keeps it nice and clean. There were other beers I could have had with you, but I think it would have been too much in your in your comfort zone. <laughs> so oh, <laughs> I thought, let's yeah. try something that... You yeah, know. no, this is a nice little... I, I call this a little vacation, actually. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. going on holiday, isn't it? It really is. So, okay, it really a trip is. to Germany with the old Dunkel. Yeah, this is very nice. Quite happy with that. I like this one. Get, mm. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Really enjoyed this. There you go. A nice German beer for a nice Franco-German dish. And an English man. And an English man. And whatever Skip is. I think he's a little of everything. <laughs> I believe I believe he is I believe he is Scottish. I know he I know he used to make whiskey there. Yes, he did. Well, but... the English love their cabbage too cuz they have they have bubble and squeak, and which is their version of of mashed potatoes and cabbage. There's a bunch of different ones like the Irish call it uh Col Cannon is yep. is mashed potatoes and cabbage. And then in Scotland it's uh Rumbledy Thump. Ooh, is, I like that name. That is kind of fun to say. Although it 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 sounds a little risque. I found um, a recipe that had cabbage and um, so grated cabbage and grated potato and a little grated apple and a latke. So um, well, that's, that's like a, a it's like a match way. made in heaven because yes, I mean potatoes and cabbage because potatoes. Let's face it, on their own, potatoes are kind of boring. No, they're not. Yes, they are. I love potatoes. We grow amazing potatoes in Alaska. They go, they complement cabbage. Terrifically. I just said that to be controversial. Fine. Be I mean, I, I actually do believe it though. Potatoes are. We need a show on potatoes. Potato. We're gonna have. We're gonna have multiple shows on you potatoes have me because on that one. even though I find potatoes dull, they are extremely important. But well, they are. They are the most boring starch. I I find them fabulous. Anyway, the Reuben sandwich. What is life without a good Reuben sandwich? Well, corned beef and cabbage are like... And and speaking of the little uh, raider to the garden, he makes a wonderful corn mousse I have done in the last few years. Just so what, you know... Uh, what cut do you use for your corn mousse? The brisket. Mousse? Do you? I know the butcher. Yeah. Yes. Nice. I sleep with the butcher. <laughs> so I say, I want a brisket. When he butchered, he quit cracking up. I'm sorry. This is a, a food show. It's a family show. Okay. It All was right. just talking about the rumble thump that's what did it. I know. I know. When I was a kid growing up, we'd go out for Friday night fish fries. And what came on that plate with that beautiful filet butterfly of perch was a piece of rye bread and coleslaw. Coleslaw is the best. And I didn't like coleslaw when I was a little girl. Because it was too mayonnaise and gross and yes. sweet? Kentucky Fried Chicken coleslaw. I, I wish... Is that I your favorite? Well... When I make it, it is. I, I find a recipe for it, and that's what I do. But I have other recipes for it, like a, a vinaigrette base. That's what I coleslaw. almost I almost always use that because my wife uh-huh. doesn't really care for the mayonnaise kind so right. much. Unless I do. I actually, there's a place in Baton Rouge um, called TJ Ribs, and it's been around forever. It's a really old place. Yum. And they're mostly, as from the name, they're mostly a rib joint. And all Southern rib joints have to have coleslaw. And their coleslaw is the best of that mayonnaise style coleslaw I've ever had. And, and it does, ordinarily, I don't believe in secret ingredients. This has a secret ingredient. And would, do you know what that secret ingredient is? Of course not. Of course not. It's Maybe mustard. <laughs> it's a secret. Peanuts. Oh my gosh. I would have never, ever. How do you know the secret? Because they're, they're in there. <laughs> oh. <laughs> There, like, there's a, yeah, there's a coleslaw. Because they're in there. I hope they were peanuts. How much butter? Oh, enough. <laughs> I hope they were peanuts or else the, 
the health Crunchy department or the health know? department might have something to say i'm pretty sure they were peanuts though and they're delicious oh. like peanuts in coleslaw and peanuts with cabbage in general wow. is surprise and we actually talked a little bit about you know you could put pecans mm-hmm into your mm-hmm. uh, stuffed cabbage rolls, mm-hmm. you could just as easily put peanuts. You know what? You could probably afford peanuts a whole lot easier than you can afford pecans It's true, right now. especially up here. You got to take a loan out to go buy a couple yeah, in the Yeah, in the South, you can just get a big, huge oh, bag of it. You can pick them up off the ground, you know? Yeah. Oh, well, we're not there, okay? So, I know. I know it. But if you make coleslaw, then you you use a, a vinegar. Do you have a... Um, well, I'm sure there's a bit like rice vinegar. My or, favorite way of doing um, it apple is... Apple cider. Yeah, or, my favorite favorite way honestly is kind of like um is sesame oil and oh, rice vinegar oil. even a little like chili oil mm-hmm. you know something a little bit spicy mm-hmm. um if i'm making a cold slaw because sometimes you know mm-hmm. sometimes i'll make hot slaw which is pretty similar yes um and i know you're, you're german i mean they love their hot slaw warm bacon coleslaw was Ooh. a recipe i brought with me just to bring up on the show today and yes it's a warm honey mustard dressing on the cabbage. Oh, that sounds incredible. And it's got red cabbage and mustard and celery seed and green cabbage. Yeah, it looks it looks amazing. Speaking of uh, delicious warm dressings, duck fat vinaigrette is also very good. Oh my gosh, I'm going to have to go buy some duck fat. So everybody knows about the wonderful cabbage sort of slaw salad with the ramen noodles and the chicken and the, the what oh you don't know I, yeah, this don't one know this is this so one. old school well i'm quite a bit older than you but this is excellent did they it, have ramen noodles back then no but they did a few years ago <laughs> but you take the package of noodles and you don't cook them you just break them up into the cabbage salad uh-huh. and then you make a dressing very similar to what you said with the sesame and the vinegar and and a little sugar and a little heat and um you let it hang out for a little bit and you can put some sliced um snap peas in there you can put some chicken in if you want a little red pepper it's just a really um kids love it i bet um my family loves it. They eat it. If I make it, they'll eat the whole bowl. So, ramen noodles and yeah, cabbage. Yeah, makes it gives it a little, just a little something different in there that you wouldn't. And almonds, sliced almonds, go in there. As somehow, I just never really acquired a taste for packaged ramen noodles. Oh, they're, I just they're don't. Just, I just don't care for them. They're so they're salty. They're just kind of one of those things like macaroni and cheese in the box. Well, that I like. Yeah. And then if you could just go eat some cabbage with that, you could you could totally justify eating macaroni and cheese from the it's box. It's good for you. It's got tons <laughs> right? of fiber, and it'll help that macaroni and cheese go right through you. I know. There you go. I want and everybody to that, run out with that, and buy cabbage. <laughs> with that, I think we're going to have to end this week's edition of Check the Pantry. I would like to thank my guest, Terry Robel, for another fantastic time. You're welcome. My name is Jeff Lockwood. This has been Check the Pantry. Check the Pantry is a production of KBBI AM 890 in Homer, Alaska. It's hosted by Jeff Lockwood and was engineered today by Kathleen Gustafson. The theme music is String Quartet Opus 10, Movement 2 by Claude Debussy, performed by Quatuor Eben. The cooking and tasting segments were recorded at Station 12, located at 3751 Sterling Highway on top of Baycrest Hill in Homer. For information about Station 12, call 907-235-4226 or email info at station12.com. This is the third episode of the first season of Check the Pantry.